Hi there, this is Daniel Eccles, and you're listening to the Learn Opportunity Podcast. We're here to help you get unstuck and start creating your future. I had a client for my career consulting business that felt stuck. He was feeling like he didn't have much opportunity to start creating his future. What he said to me was that he fell into the job that he was in. And I challenged that thought and I said, you didn't fall into where you are. You did repeatable actions that you can apply to a new goal that will help you create your future and create opportunities. You didn't just end up where you are. You did things that helped you to get where you are right now. And so that is what this podcast is about. Join us as we listen to subject matter experts share how they have created opportunities in their own personal and professional lives, how they've gotten unstuck and started creating their own future. These podcast episodes focus on giving you resources and tools so that you can apply best practices, repeatable actions to your own life goals so that you can start learning how to create opportunity in your personal and professional life. So join us. We're ready. Let's get started and start applying opportunity, creating best practices to our lives. Thanks for listening to the Learned Opportunity Podcast. Today's guest is Jim Bishop of Conjunction Leadership, and we talk about how everything can change based off of the conjunction that you say. Now, you might be talking about an opportunity in your future and you are saying things like, I want to write a book, but I am just too busy with my two jobs, whatever it might be like that. But if you change that and say, I want to write a book and I want to do a good job at my two jobs, that changes because you can start making some plans and you can set goals and you might be able to come up with opportunities and ideas to make that a possibility. But when you are just using the wrong conjunction, but or other conjunctions that might be limiting your possibilities for your future. Jim's been working for the past 15 years in corporate leadership, human performance, and he's coached teams of employees across the globe and put systems and structure to the chaos of an ever-evolving people strategy. And he has just a wealth of information when it comes to not only individual leadership, but also how can we change the systems around our businesses to meet the goals of individual leadership too. And I just really appreciate Jim is a part of Edge Mentorship. He's a part of a a lot of the other communities that I get to hang out with. I got to meet him just this other week in person at an event and he's a really nice guy. So I think you're gonna enjoy listening to Jim. So let's get to it and listen to our friend, Jim Bishop. Well, Jim, I am so excited to have you on the Learned Opportunity Podcast. How are you doing today? You doing all right? Doing good. Yeah, enjoying fall weather, enjoying life. Oh, good. Very good. I introduced you to our listeners just a bit, but like I always say, what is actually important for listeners to know about you? Hmm. What is important to know about me? Let's just start at the very beginning. I'm a, a science guy who realized science was easy and people was hard and then pivoted his career and his life to follow about how, how to figure out people. 
So grew up in an agricultural rural environment, chose to pursue life sciences as a career, as a major, followed that path for a little while until I realized most of my customers were not asking me questions about what was going on with the science part of what I was supposed to be helping them with. And they started asking all these questions about people. And then through the School of Hard Knocks, I set out to learn that, helping organizations and teams figure out the best way to learn. And then when I stepped back to realize what I had went to school for, I did get a degree in science, but I had been participating in all kinds of clubs and activities and been a student of leadership even just as much. And I realized that's probably what floated my boat more than anything. And then to add double digits to it, I decided to step into the world of raising multiple children. So we have five kids and we live on rural property. And that experience in and of itself has been enough to teach me about leadership development in a way that organizational design and organizational development never could. So For sure. oh my we live just in outside of Indianapolis in the little small town of Pendleton on rural property. We enjoy um, raising animals and rural lifestyle and all things help helping youth and youth leadership grow. So <laughs> when you talk about enjoying the science, what is it? that you enjoyed and what's the difference between that and then this leadership development, organizational design, things like that, that you're working on? Yeah. I remember early on in my even childhood, like I just was fascinated by how things grew. I was fascinated by how animals grew, how plants grew, what was happening inside, inside of people. I remember my favorite classes being like biology and health and those kind of things. And I always was attracted to life science. I grew up with animals all around me and I realized that that was something that I just naturally liked as well. So when it came time to choose a major, figure out what you wanted to do with the rest of your life, I chose animal science because it blended all those things together. I appreciated that because there was, there was some judgment involved, but when you were dealing with science, there was always empirical evidence that led to a preponderance of what the decision was, right? It seemed like that was very logical. Yeah, I, I didn't like the types of science where one plus one always equaled two. I liked the stuff where there was always some sort of interpretation involved as to what it meant. And so I found myself working in more like applied science. And so anytime that you could help people understand what the science meant, I was finding myself even more attracted to it. And anytime mm -hmm. I found myself sitting at a bench top, only doing the science, but never talking to people, I found myself growing weary and just naturally finding a place that where I could work with people and work with science. That's where my career led me all the way through. So I really appreciate that what you were interested in is how things grow. And that hasn't really changed as much based off of whether it's leadership development and the application of how a person grows and their own leadership or personal professional development sort of world, or just the physical nature of, you know, how does a, a chicken grow in the egg to, to hatch and how does that whole thing work? Uh, it sounds like it has been a journey to discover that that application can go both ways. Was there ever a time that it felt like, am I doing what I should be doing? I got, how did I end up here? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, it's been, there's been many, many hiccups along that journey. I mean, the process of discovering growth, right? And I could use many analogies there, but it takes the right amount of, you know, whether it's moisture, food, ingredients, soil, you know, you name, you name the vehicle and it takes the right combination. And I think it's the same thing for people mm. um, in the journey of discovering that there have been lots of places in the, the place where in that, in that journey where I've just felt naturally stuck. Sometimes I've scratched my head, 
I've wondered, is this really what it was supposed to be about? Is this the plan that I actually had? And then when the plan that I had started to work out, I started to wonder, is this the plan I really wanted? In in reality, has it just been a series of kind of taking a deep cleansing breath in the middle of that, pausing and saying, okay, what is it that I'm learning? What is it I'm growing? And where is it that I want to give my best gifts without what I know to be true right now? And that has been probably the most freeing aspect of it during the journey is because there were many times when I just thought I was hitting a dead end and I couldn't see another way forward until I was able to have grace for myself and realize that I was growing as an individual too. That Mm. the plan that I had when I was 22 wasn't necessarily the plan that I had when I was 42. So, Well, here's a overreaching question as far as uh, what you said at the beginning here was like how things grow. I mean, it takes some of these basics of growth. You know, you need food, you need sleep in order for something to grow. What's needed for somebody to grow in these areas, leadership or or an organization to grow? What are the the basics? Well, everybody's individual chemistry is different, right? And I do think that that is probably one Mm -hmm. thing that I, I can't separate myself from is the individualistic nature of this. There are some probably universal truths, but yet current times have taught us that different leaders are going to adapt differently to the times, right? I think a a big dose of just self-awareness goes a long way in today's world. Being able to say, how am I being received? And being able to step out of, out of the viewpoint so much, so much of the time people have grown up with the viewpoint that it is about me. And when you step on the other side of that and you realize that leadership was never really about you, it was about the impact that it had on other people. You'll start realizing that your intentions and your actions sometimes have different effects. Like I wake up every day thinking I'm being my best leadership self. And yet every day I leave a trail of dead bodies behind me because my actions don't get the same intended outcome that I hope. Mm -hmm. A big healthy dose of self-reflection and Mm -hmm. self-understanding goes a long way for people in today's world to realize what I used to be able to do and what I used to do in leadership no longer can no longer exist as it was because the world changed and Mm -hmm. the people that I'm leading are changing. So I think that's probably the biggest one that it takes. Beyond that, everything else is a matter of it's available. It's just how much do you want to access it and how much do you tap into it? So the resources are there, the people are there, the information is there, but without a healthy healthy dose of having self-awareness, it's hard to have any leader adapt to the current times. Mm -hmm. It's impossible, I think, to really start creating opportunities or, or get unstuck if you are not aware of where you currently are in your life. Even just one of the other episodes with, with Juanita that I recorded just recently, she didn't learn that she had the ability to have agency over her life until she was honest about where she actually was. And it sounds to me like a, a similar journey has happened for you where you have to have different times in your life where you're reflecting on where you are coming from in order to know and have the awareness of where you want to be going. So walk us through that. Where are you coming from? And this is a long story, I'm sure, but where are you coming from and where are you going? Yeah. Where are you at? It it doesn't have to be a long story. And I think it is, it's, my story is many of my clients' stories, right? So I have the privilege of stepping into other people's lives and hearing where they're at in their journey. Mm-hmm. And I have a greater amount of empathy because sometimes their journey has also been mine. That period of, you know, using Juanita's example, having agency over your own life. I think there comes a point in time when you take responsibility for the life you've been given and you realize that 
most people weren't thinking about you as much as you thought they were thinking about you. Yeah. And so <laughs> that that's the pivot point. Some will call it midlife. I, I kind of just call it the awakening, right? And you people, myself, some of my clients, others around me, I see living their first part of their life because they think they should, because they've mm -hmm. made decisions. They want to be congruent with that, but they also are trying to keep up with other people or other people's expectations. Probably also at that point in their life, they have, they have more discretionary time. I'm going to put it in that regard that, you know, they mm -hmm. may not have the same responsibilities with a large family or they may not have the same responsibilities with an expanding job presence at that point in time. But what they have is the ability to like measure their life based upon everybody else's life. Mm -hmm. And they're thinking too much about what other people think of them. And that keeps them kind of in the average zone, right? And then at some point in time, you, you get to that awareness that I don't have discretionary time anymore. Maybe the responsibilities of the family mm -hmm. have grown. Maybe the responsibilities of the job have grown. Maybe your interest in, you know, trying to new hobbies or sports have grown. Maybe you're serving on more clubs and activities. But because of that, your life starts feeling a little overscheduled and there's just not enough of you to go around. And that awakening period allows someone to start taking agency over their life, realizing that I don't have to live my life the way that everybody else thinks that I should because one, I've only been granted one life. And two, my DNA has only been dropped on this planet at this time for some reason. And I better use that to my best of my ability. And so that means sometimes the best leadership will come when you learn to say your best no's and you take responsibility for living your best yeses at that point. And so my journey mirrored that. And I think many of my clients also mirror that, that there was this inflection point when I went from trying to live my life the way I thought everybody should or wanted me to live it versus trying to live my life the way that I know that I can live it better than most. And that's by saying no to some of the things and saying yes to some of the others. My career has just been a reflection of many of those decisions along the way. Going into science, I felt like there was a whole lot of things in my career that people thought I should because I had aptitude to do so. Um, you know, going into agriculture, I, I chose to do that one because I like to, but two, because that's the way that I was brought up. And that's what I thought everyone in, that in my small circle did. And then Eventually, I start realizing that, you know, those things are those are naturally good and they were helpful and there's nothing inherently evil about those. Mm -hmm. But because I, I lived it because someone thought I should versus because I chose, I just wasn't taking agency over my own decisions. And then at that inflection point, I was starting to say, well, maybe there are other decisions I would like to make. And it felt like the only analogy I can think of is, is kind of like, you know, my son raises or finds little caterpillars and he starts growing them up and raising cocoons. And then he watches the cocoons hatch and launches as monarchs. And it just felt a little bit like that, that I was going through this transformation kind of chrysalis moment where, mm. you know, the chrysalis was a little too small and I just needed to peck myself out. And then once I did, I found out that I could pump the, the water into my wings and I could do things differently, but it wasn't, it was because I was a different creature than I was before. So mm. There are, are a lot of instances of, of that transformation, metamorphosis of uh, awakening moments throughout your life. Let's say that you have a client or a young professional or even young professional gym comes to you and is kind of starting to go into that sort of a season, into that time where they're entering a cocoon or hatching out of a cocoon, whatever it might be. Do you have advice best practices or tools, resources that you would advise young professional Jim who's going through that process to, to do or consider? Yeah, there's a lot of advice, probably, well, not probably <laughs> wisdom, you know, perspective adds a lot of wisdom and adds a lot of things to it. And sometimes I add some regrets, but mm. I, I realized too, like the best advice probably is just to breathe 
like breathe through it all, enjoy the moment, enjoy the time, enjoy the journey, because the, the beauty is actually in the journey. But all too often in my early career, and I think in some of my clients' early careers, mm-hmm. they're focused on the destination. Yeah, They're focused on the title, the position, the responsibilities. And then when I start questioning them about what I would have questioned myself on, it's like, what would you have if you had that, that you don't have today? So let's assume you get the bigger title. Mm-hmm. What would you have that you don't have today? And their illusion of, of fulfillment or their illusion of grandeur is much, much greater than the reality of it. And mm-hmm. in the midst of focusing on the destination, sometimes we forget that it is the impact that we have on people along the way that we really so desire. And I think that's probably the piece that I would you know, breathe, enjoy the journey, enjoy the people that are put into your life. And it, I guess another piece of advice in that journey is enjoy the, the, the chiseling process, I call it. I mean, it's like life is a giant sandblaster, right? And there are barnacles that you collect along the way and there are resentments that build up. And there's even some things that you thought you wanted that maybe you don't need anymore. And life in itself will pull those things out of your life if you let it. Mm. Um, I, I think the, our challenge is sometimes I just don't, I don't like that feeling because it feels uncomfortable, but growth only occur, occurs in the uncomfortable zone, right? It doesn't occur in the safety zone. It doesn't occur in what feels good. It occurs in sometimes those places where I don't really know what's happening right now. I don't understand it. I didn't, it didn't make sense to me in the moment, but looking back on it, it's hundred percent what needed to happen because it pulled those barnacles off that allowed this thing to show up. So, mm-hmm. but that will take a deep amount of breath in the middle of it because <laughs> I think the YOLO mentality is so prevalent today where, you know, I can only live once. So I got to do it all right now. And I have to do it before I'm 30. And then it turns into, <laughs> I have to do it before I'm 40. And then it turns into, I have to do it before I'm 50. And I'm like, you don't have to do all of those things. You just have to learn through the journey that all of those things can be done. Mm-hmm. Right? Like, so. Oh, there's a comparison of like what you think a, a leader has to look like. I, I've caught myself doing this all the time. I'm, I'm, you know, just about entering my thirties and I want to be where some of these people are that I admire, but they're all in their late forties and early fifties. And I might beat myself up because of, oh, why am I not there yet? Why don't I have this, this down? Well, I haven't experienced some of the things they've experienced and I'm just wanting a result and they're not, they're not who they are, these people that I admire without having gone through that journey themselves. And they have appreciated and would probably give a lot of value to that journey. It's so easy for me to forget. And I think just all of us really to forget that really we're okay. And that there's a lot to be thankful for and content about where we're at right now. And that not a lot would change with that title change or just because you're changing jobs or changing environments doesn't mean that everything's going to change for the better or that you're going to be better off for some of these things. So I think that's a, it's a good reminder to me, not, not just only to a young professional Jim. That's a, <laughs> that's a good, yeah. good statement for I mean, young professional Daniel. <laughs> one thing that I, I often remind my clients is like, you know, more money, more title, more responsibility. Mm. That's not going to inherently change you. You have to change first and then those things, but more money, more title, more responsibility that will just in and of itself, make you more of what you already are. Mm. So if today you're insecure or you're unsettled, 
and you get more title and more money and more responsibility, you'll just have more things to be insecure and unsettled about. More resources to use to add more insecurity. <laughs> yeah, or to buy more things that consume more of your time. Yeah. But if you've learned how to manage that by yourself or change yourself mm. first, then more money, more title, more responsibility will be used for more good. Otherwise, it can be used for more 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 harm to yourself than good, right? So I don't know where people are at necessarily in their belief system, but I, I do believe that there is a time and a place that you're given those things when you're able to handle them and your responsibility and your person matches up with it. Mm. If you're not ready to receive those things, it's, it's not going to be given to you just yet because there are things you need to learn before you get that. Mm. So selfishness, greed, envy, malice, whatever our desires may be, if we, if we feed those things too early in the journey, it could hurt us worse because now we just have it. We're becoming more of what we already are not growing and then having things added on top of that. So mm. I've seen it with my clients. I have it in perspective today that, you know, through this process, when someone really intensely focuses on being a better human themselves and gets better, not just in their, their leadership professionally, but their leadership in life, then what happens is their personhood can change to the point that these other things are added into them, more money, more title, more responsibility, and it's organic. It's not forced. So. Opportunity usually feels to me like it's always creating something new. I mean, just the word opportunity feels like it has to do with creation of something new or just the next best thing. But it really sounds to me that it has a lot to do with stewardship of what you already have. And until you kind of get that down, it's going to be really hard to create something new and it actually be an opportunity, not something that takes away from things that you value or is more stressful or potentially harmful for you if you don't get what you currently have down pat, if, if you will. Yeah. I, I would agree with that. If we look at the external things of creation, like what can I go out and put right. into the world? If we were to look at the internal things, I think you always have the opportunity to create something new within yourself. Yeah. Um, mm. that, that's our unlimited innate human potential. And you have the opportunity to do that as does everybody else. It's just the harder thing to do because it is easier to put together a book or a podcast or to create a new business than it is to re-engineer my personhood to meet the current needs <laughs> of the times. So that's a good clarification. Yeah, that is very much a new creation and the changing of your mindset and, and your thinking. Uh, that is much more difficult than uh, me just, okay, I'll just add another thing to my calendar. I'll just add another task. That will that will fix it, right? <laughs> but yeah. no, gosh, that that's where I get into a mess myself. Yeah. And I, I find a lot of clients get stuck there. I mean, I, I got stuck there candidly many times in mine because I just felt like, let's get busier. Let's do more. Let's, you know, maybe something's not right. So I'll get involved with the club, but that took time away from family. And then my family didn't mm -hmm. feel good about that. And, you know, it wasn't that at all until I really stepped into the space of saying, okay, how do I adapt myself and grow in the midst of all of this trial and adversity that's happening so that I could be a different person and then the other things started happening as well. And I just feel like that's probably where, I, I mean, I had a client just this morning in a coaching conversation and was telling me all the things he wanted, all of the stuff that he was needed to do by the time he died to make his life feel like it was a life mm -hmm. of purpose. This is a client in his late thirties, right? That not, uh -huh. I bet he had a long runway ahead of him. 
And yet when I asked him the question, what are you willing to do yourself to get those changes? He had a hard time answering the question because it wasn't synonymous to him that personal growth equaled professional growth or life growth. Mm. And I try to, you know, one of my biggest premises is that it's not going to change unless you change who you are as a person. Like you might be able to work harder, but that only works up to a certain period of time when your calendar has unlimited amounts of time. And when it doesn't, sometimes you can't work harder because you're still human. You have human needs to eat and breathe and or have recreation and recreate yourself in the midst of all of this. And you should be taking responsibility for that. But if all your job is, or your mindset is, is hustle harder, the hustle culture will eat you alive and the grinding and the hustling will eventually wear itself down and you'll not have what you want because you didn't do anything differently along the way. Mm. So. I've gotten stuck in that hustle culture and it sounds like you've gotten stuck in that hustle culture as well. I mean, hurry is the name of the game right now in our society. How did you get reminders or were there people that helped you along the way or what kind of helps you get unstuck from mm. that mindset? Yeah. Well, this is, this is the, the, the bearing part of my story. Right. I mean, but five kids will do, tend to do that too. So <laughs> we had always hoped to, to have a large family and it just wasn't something that seemed like it was in the cards for us early on in our journey. Mm. So our family has been built by adoption and it's also been built by natural, by, by biological birth, but nothing has been easy and nothing has really been planned. And so my career was going very, very well. I had a lot of the things that you would think you would want in your career at that point in time. We had gone from two kids to three kids and thought, okay, this is good. Our, my desire was not to have a middle child. So we thought we would go ahead and have another one, but our pathway to parenthood wasn't easy. So we adopted number four and we had adopted number one. We had adopted number four. So that felt like that was comfortable and natural. And we also felt the Lord leading us in that regard. When we adopted number four, then immediately we found out we were expecting number five. And this was a huge blessing in our life, right? This yeah. is what we had prayed for. This is what we wanted. These, these were, these were true gifts. At the same time, my career was what I thought was true gifts. And I had grown, expanded my influence, my positional leadership. It also came with a heavy dose of travel. And I was traveling pretty much coast to coast, two and a half to three weeks a month, mm. leaving my wife at home with, with five children and two of them nearly the same age, under a year old. And you could see it's a recipe for just like figuring out what is life. And I thought I can't physically work harder. I, you know, there were yeah. some barriers there that just, there was no more room, no more gas in the tank to put the floor, put the pedal down. So I, there was, a, that was a chrysalis moment for me. There were people along in that journey, some of them well-meaning that said, well, whatever you do, you cannot take time off of work because that's career suicide for, for a man. If you step out of the workplace, you should not take, take that time away. You'll never get your spot in the line back. I had other well-meaning people that said, you can't afford not to take time for yourself in this journey, because mm. if you don't, you're going to burn out. If you burn out, your family will flame out, right? And there are, there are both sides of the, 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 the perspective coming at me at that time in the journey. And all I really knew was, this is the life that I was being given. And when I started to think that some of the things in my life were that, I, that were true blessings mm. were now curses, because if only I didn't have five kids, or if only I didn't have this responsibility at work, I would be able to whatever, fill in the blank. And it was that kind of mindset that caused me to really step into this space to say, like, I, I have to do something different myself. And, uh, you know, in that feeling of being stuck, I, I had to put the and, if you will, between these two things. I want a growing career. 
and I want a large family. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And so now you get kind of where the name of my business, Conjunction Leadership, comes from, because I think those tensions that we naturally feel are best handled when we put the and in between. If we put the but or the or in there, it causes us to make hard decisions that sometimes don't get us to the best outcome. For me, that and led to a really, a lot of weaning and chastening, but a lot of hard decisions that I had to make as well, just to say like, I love working with people. I love team leadership. I love organizational design. I love organizational development. And the career that I was pursuing was not not in alignment with that. It was going to be more in kind of general management. And so stepping back over into the zone of genius or the thing that I love to do most and trying to figure out how to raise a family in the middle of that ultimately has led me into this pathway for entrepreneurship Mm. where I can do what I want to do. I'm not under the auspice of any organizational structure at this point that tells me I need to do it a different way. There's no hierarchy so that I have to feel like the only way, you know, I'm achieving is is achieving the next highest level in the totem pole. The thing that I do is I bring my family into this business and I bring my family into the challenges we're having and I have them help me through them and I help them learn what I'm learning and help they, they're not obviously on the phone with clients, but some of the the lessons that we're learning along the way helps me be a better dad and a better husband as well as a better entrepreneur in leading this Mm. and it gives me real life experience for my clients as well so it's yeah it's so holistic what a a cool just like point if you would have said you know i i want to be successful in, in business but i have five kids that change that conjunction is so important it changes everything in the mindset i want and do it that just then you have something that you can start working towards or strategizing or just looking for those opportunities for how can i do it and if you would have stopped with but your mind wouldn't be open maybe to some of the things that it was open to and you wouldn't have noticed some of the opportunities per chance that you did end up noticing yeah i think you know that the butt would have i don't know but where i was at as an individual at that point i i would have pursued the traditional hierarchical positional leadership and thought that that's what it meant for me to have a successful rewarding career was being noticed by other people for what I was able to do and getting promoted through the through the channels because of that. Mm. When I made the decision to put the and between there, it it felt odd to me because it felt like some things were taken away when I said that like I don't want to travel as a result of having five kids and have, wanting to have a burgeoning career. Yeah. Yet at the same point all these other things were opened up to me and it didn't mean it was just a, a world of unknowns. It was kind of fearful, scary, right? Because it's like walking in a door that you can't see beyond. And when the door opened, all I could see was kind of blackness behind it and say, okay, well, if it's not going to be this way that I know to be true, and I, I kind of know how to climb the hierarchy, I know how to do the politics in the office, or I know how to get good performance reviews so that people know what you're, what you're, how you're a valuable employee. I I knew that pathway. It seemed familiar, but it seemed like it was leading me in a direction that wasn't comfortable. So I'm like, well, then let's step through this other door that just opened and figure out what does that look like? You know, I can't say that it was a straight line. It didn't lead me there overnight, but what it did lead me to was understanding that there is a way to, to live out this calling about helping people grow in their leadership and helping organizations adapt to a more human centered workplace. Yeah. And once I figured out that there were a whole lot of experiences that came around, like 
new new clients, new careers, coaching certifications, mm -hmm. different roles that I wasn't thinking about before. And when I got all those experiences, I'm like, gosh, look at all this this stuff that I had no idea about. And I became insatiably curious about a whole bunch of new stuff again. So I guess that's probably another lesson is, you know, you can be afraid of what's behind the open doors because it's unfamiliar, but step into it with a lot of curiosity and humility and you're, you're going to learn a lot of stuff. Yeah. Well, what are you learning about right now, Jim? Yeah. <laughs> oh my goodness. A lot. Like at one point I thought, you know, if you, if you tried to help leaders become better leaders, things would change. And then I realized there are some systemic things in our cultures and our organizations that don't allow leaders to become their truest potential, right? So now my mind is, how do we help with the organizational design or some of the systemic issues that go on behind it? So oh, can you give me an example of something that might prevent? Uh, well, I mean, we can, we can look a little bit at the DEI issues that we face today, yeah. right? I mean, those, that's one, but even beyond that, it's just an overarching mindset. If we were to take what happened prior to COVID and where we're at right now, the the demands of leadership have changed and some yeah. people have not yet recognized that, right? And we have almost six generations now working in the workplace. And if we were to back up and say, what's the generational expectation of leadership when that first generation entered the workplace? And what is the <laughs> expectation of leadership today when the, when people are entering the workplace? I mean, somewhere in the middle of that is a recipe for disaster because we all have a different definition of what we expect from our leaders, right? Those systemic things that we have built in our hierarchies and our organizations, such as archaic talent management processes or archaic performance calibration exercises, right? When those were set on yearly goals, as an example, and today it's hard for people to even set goals for the month, let alone for a whole year. If we were to adapt some of our archaic systems back to a more adaptive process where we're setting goals in the moment and achieving things little by little, so that at the end of the year, we look back and say, look at all the goodness we got done. That would be a whole lot more adaptive than trying to lock in a goal in January, measure someone on it in December and hope by March that they get a bigger paycheck right? It just doesn't work like that. So that's a, an example of a systemic change that needs to happen to allow leaders to actually adapt to the current times. But uh, wow. sometimes our internal, internal work processes and the desire to be a better leader don't always work in tandem with one another. <laughs> yeah. That's fascinating to me. Like thinking about the six generations in the workplace and success looks so different. If you measure or ask somebody that's an entry level right now and from Gen Z, or if you ask someone that's Gen X or just what a different world it is. And now you have remote work and stuff that's happened since the pandemic. Wow. That, that really is a lot of moving pieces that, that yeah. if you're not I looking just, at it systemically. One of the things that what gets people to the point of realizing they've got an issue first is when I just ask them about, you know, what was your definition of where did you go to get information when you became a leader, right? Huh. And on one end of it, the information was so scarce that you only had like the people in your immediate sphere of influence to give you advice or information on leadership, right? So probably early on, the definition of leadership was if, if you're a good leader, you can tell other people what to do. And you'll bring mm -hmm. them with you because of your subject matter expertise. Well, today's generation, I mean, the first place you go is to the, to Google or to some sort of electronic resource. Very rarely are you asking a person for information or advice, right? So just the access to information is completely separate. And when that changes, then 
you're not smarter than me and you don't have more power than me because you can tell me what to do says the newest generations right yeah. you're smarter than you're 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 able to lead me when you're able to gain a perspective of my whole personhood not when you're just able to tell me what to do at work and that that is a clash because the older generations in the workplace don't see it that way they don't often see that i need to see you as a whole person they they think separation between work and life is what you know they're still talking work life balance the newer generations are not talking that they're talking about whole personhood and allowing me to become a better human at work. Um, allow me to do many different gigs on the side so that I get lots of experiences and I want to have all of these experiences wrapped up and do good things for my employer. But that's that requires someone to understand how to manage that whole situation, not just help you be better at work by telling you what to do. Right. Yeah. That, that's a recipe for clash of, of ideology right there. <laughs> I could even see though some difficulty with like that clash of ideology. People are going to Google for it, but your search results are going to be different for what is a leader based off of geographical location, your search history, other things like that. And so some person might come up with, oh, it's about a whole person development, somebody that won't just care about my work that's being done, but will care about who I am as a person and some of these other things that I'm doing. Whereas another person might get something completely different. How, so how do we, what's the right answer? <laughs> <laughs> The right answer is always somewhere in between, right? Yeah. I mean, it's never on the extremes. And that's what I remind people all, of, all the time when we start off. And they, they'll call me or they'll contract to have leadership coaching. I might even do some teamwork with them. But I don't move forward until we have a normalized definition of what leadership looks like. Mm. And I think in today's world, that's the biggest challenge that I see is that I personally don't have a definition of what leadership looks like. And if I do, I don't have an understanding of what other people's definition of what leadership is. And then collectively, as an organization, you cannot believe how many organizations haven't really been pointed and explicit about what type of leadership they desire. Mm -hmm. So they'll have artifacts in their system about the command and control leadership style. You know, they'll have SOPs that people need to follow and rigid processes and all this kind of stuff. And then they're telling everybody, but we want you to be very heart centric and well, really open and full. And <laughs> they haven't really resolved in their own mind, like what, what type of leadership do we want to adapt our organization to the future? It's a really hard question. So um, the larger the organization, the more challenging the answer is. Yeah. And I'm sure it would look different uh, based off of the different needs of industry and uh, location, things like that, too. Yeah. Well, I, I would often tell you, like, organizations will be very clear with me about telling me what they want out of it. Like, we want speed, we want innovation, we want more adaptability, we want higher employee engagement. They can speak in all of those things. But when I ask them what type of leadership gets you to that point, they can't answer that question because it's not something they've thought about before. They've thought about mm. what tool do we need to implement? What, you know, even process might we put in place? Maybe they've even thought about what type of person they want to hire, but they've never crystallized that into a leadership philosophy and said, you know, we believe in the type of leadership that pushes decisions down as an example, or that decentralizes power or pushes power to the edges. That, if they were able to crystallize that, that leads to a lot of organizational design that they could innovate around that would free up the people that are currently there to lead more effectively. But instead they're thinking, no, we can't really do that because if we decentralize decisions, we'll have chaos across the board. Like who's gonna run the ship? Because their mindset is still like yeah. the top, the leader tells people what to do, right? So 
Huh. Well, and then they wonder like checks and balances going up and down the hierarchy. It takes way too long for decisions to go up and down that they can't innovate and adapt to the times. So it's I've I've back to, back to your original question. I've learned a ton based upon what is not enabling our leaders to reach their potential. So. Well, you know, and that that's sometimes the way to figuring out what does enable is uh, well, what don't we want, and then we can figure out what do we want. A lot of times, too. Well, let's say a, an organization or an individual wanted to connect with you, chat about some of this leadership stuff. How would they go about doing that? Yeah, I mean, the easiest way is for them to find me on Facebook or find me on Twitter, find me on LinkedIn. LinkedIn tends to be the, the platform I use most often. Most of my clients are coming from a business or business to business type of environment. Honestly, probably the easiest way is just to send me an email because all of those platforms are good, but my main desire is human to human connection. And I don't have, I, I do think for me, the purpose, the one of my main purposes of doing this business is to, to make humanity a more human centric and people positive place, both in our cultures and our workplaces. So for me, it's really important for me to get to know the individual and what they're trying to get done so that we can figure things out. So, you know, blind emails or filling out forms on my website, those help. I can get in contact with you, but someone just reaching out to me at Jim at conjunctionleadership.com goes a long way too. So. Well, I will put that down as the preferred <laughs> Jim, yeah. conduct, Jim at uh, conjunctionleadership.com. All right. Yeah. Well, thank you, Jim. I, I get excited when talking about leadership stuff and I could probably go for about, you know, a couple more hours listening to just some of the organizational designs for stuff. These are questions that affect us all and I think really make a difference for providing people with opportunities and helping people get unstuck. So I appreciate it. Thank you so much for coming on. Absolutely. Thanks for having me, Daniel. And the listeners, we appreciate you. We hope that you will continue to grow and thrive and join us next time. We're going to continue to help you get unstuck so that you can start creating your future.